2: Let's be real. The way this season is going, it would not be super shocking to see any Packers fan cracking open a can of beer at 9am on any given morning. It's been a long year. But while it would be understandable, it's probably not actually a can of beer. It's probably an ice-cold refreshing can of Liquid Death, a new mountain spring water from the Alps. Why is this delicious water called Liquid Death, you ask? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst, and their infinitely recyclable Tallboy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Friends, Liquid Death tastes incredible, and I can give you that endorsement based on my own experience. I'm not a huge sparkling water guy, but I'm telling you, the Lime Liquid Death is beyond for real and will have you rushing back out to the store for more. Add in the fact that it's a win for the environment and it looks funny when your kids are drinking Tallboys while watching the game and you basically have a perfect product. So go get your own Liquid Death at your local Woodman's, 7-Eleven, Roundies, or hy or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
0: 20 minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack A Day Podcast.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. The Packers win 28 to 19 over the Chicago Bears, becoming the all-time winningest NFL franchise with 787 regular season wins. And to join me to talk about it is the one and only Perry Goldstein. You can follow her on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. Hi, Perry. Hi, Andy. How's it going?
3: You know, it's always a good Sunday when the Packers win. And then I get to watch football for the rest of the afternoon with just happy thoughts.
2: It is a game changer when they actually get the win. And like you said, it's a noon game, which we don't always see a ton of. And then you can enjoy the 3 p.m., the 7 p.m., et cetera, Monday night football a lot more than rather than having that kind of sick feeling in your stomach that the Packers lost. And yeah, just very thankful we didn't have to do that on Sunday. I want to start by asking you, and I'm going to throw you a curveball again because I love, you know, I know you love when I do this. Um, I want to get your overall recap of the game, just your, your, your gut feel review, but you cannot say the words Christian or Watson?
3: (laughs) Um, This game felt kind of mundane. I I don't know if that's an accurate way to describe a football game, but it was just kind of what I expected. I, I didn't think the Packers would be trailing as much as they were, but in 2022, that, just seems to be who they are at this point. You know, we got some really bad secondary plays, some soft zone coverage, some great plays on defense to keep them in the game. Offense had its struggles. They went back and forth with what works and some hero ball, but at the end of the day, they pulled out a win against an inferior team and, it just is what it is. I don't feel any different about the Packers after this game. Like they should have beat the Bears. The Bears are not a good football team. Um, but at the same time, you're on the road. You never know with this team. But yeah, just status quo, honestly.
2: I, I'm happy you say that because I felt like I was going to be a hater here because my kind of my overarching takeaway, and there are going to be positives, which we're going to get to in just a moment. And clearly one of those are the two words I said we couldn't say uh, going over this topic. Uh, but it felt to me like this was a bad team that beat a worse team. Like this is a team that we saw some of all of the ugly warts and flaws throughout the course of this game, you know, kind of rear their ugly head uh, at, at different times. We Like you mentioned some of the soft coverage. I, I think we saw just kind of a soft team at times. Third and one, you're throwing 40 yards downfield again. You know, you're it's third and 15, you're throwing seven yards and getting tackled immediately. We're just seeing some of the same trends. I thought there was a a complete lack of pass rush for a majority of this game. Once again, we saw some poor tackling at times. We saw Jair Alexander get beat twice down the field by receivers that should not be beating him twice down the field. We'll talk about that in depth as well. I, I just felt like, you know, this was kind of the same Green Bay Packer team that we have seen over the course of this year. It just so happened that they faced I mean, the the bears and the Texans are in tight competition for very clearly worst roster in football. Like there, it's just not even remotely close, especially after the bears trade away, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, they just lose Eddie Jackson and Darnell Mooney uh, to injured reserve this week. Like this is just a skeleton team for the bears right now. And as you mentioned, this should be a game that the Packers win. And yet at multiple times in this game, they are down two scores, And I will say, and as I mentioned, there's positives from this game. And I I mentioned this a couple times in the last couple weeks. You don't get anything in the NFL for not quitting. But there was opportunities in this game for the Packers to quit. Again, they are down two scores. It is windy, cold weather, on the road. Everyone knows the season's basically lost. This was another opportunity to just be like, This guy, guys, this is not our year. We are done. And again, you don't necessarily get credit for that, but uh, we have seen multiple teams in just about every sport in those scenarios at times quit on the season. And the Packers had another. Golden opportunity to, to just sail it in and say, the guy, all right, we're, we're good here. We're done. Let's just get to this stupid bye week and let's see what happens after that. They fought back from two scores down on multiple occasions, came away with a win, kept fighting. So I think there's some positives we'll get there. Uh, but I do think it's worth noting that they, again, they had an opportunity to quit. They didn't, and they came away with a win uh, some way or the other. And I don't even know how to put it better than that.
3: I'm glad they didn't, to be honest. I mean, this is like, even though neither team – have kind of a stake in the game in this particular matchup. It's still a Packers bears rivalry. It was for, you know, the most wins in NFL history, which is significant and matters. And, you know, I just think the more this team, especially this offense, I think has time together, the better it is going to be for the future, regardless of if they're making the playoffs or not. So I'm glad that there was no quit. I thought this was actually a really nice game for Matt LaFleur, like a little bit of like a redemption game for him from a play calling standpoint. I was really glad to hear that Senovich was like kind of in his ear and involved. There's just a lot of things that they still can get out of games. So the idea to me to quit feels a little sad, but it was a weird game statistically. Like if you look at it, the Bears had more total yards, more passing yards, more yards per play. They were better on third down, like they punted less. Um, So you look at this, you're like, huh, but the Packers stayed in it and they made the big plays when they needed to. And they have some superstars that I know we're going to talk about that we're really excited about. So all in all, just like a solid win, but it's always nice when the Packers leave soldier field with a win, it's just a little bit of a morale boost and, um, now Matt Lafleur is still undefeated against the Bears.
2: Yeah, I think a big reason, in that statistical analysis that you pointed out, I think a big reason is the turnover battle, right? Yeah. Like this is a team that's really struggled to win the turnover battle. They've been awesome at it throughout Matt Lafleur era. Like in a, you know when you have a quarterback that rarely turns over the football, uh, when you've got you know a, a group of you know, playmakers that rarely turn over the football in, in previous seasons, uh, they constantly won the turnover battle. It's been really difficult for them this year. You get the Jair pick, you get the Nixon pick, you get the Razul force fumble. And really the, the Dean Lowry block is to me a, a version of that as well. When you've got four plays like that, to me, by far, in a way, that was the difference in this game. Green Bay has desperately needed those plays out of their defense and special teams. They finally got in this game. I don't have any doubt about it. They don't get those turnovers. They're, they don't win this game. Oh, yeah,
3: 100%, because the defense wasn't really showing that they could stop the Bears. The Bears kind of stopped themselves with penalties and these turnovers. So, you know, you get the ball back and they're only down by one. You know, I'm sitting there on my couch thinking, well, Joe Barry and this defense is definitely going to uh, just allow them to kind of run up the field and they were they were in field goal range until they turned the ball over so you know I guess thank you to Justin Fields unfortunately for making that mistake or the receiver really it was his fault Um, but they just got lucky I think
2: yeah I think lucky but I think you know they deserve credit, too. You know, the other guys came up with plays. Razul, uh, you know, punched out the – or I guess kind of like punched out the ball, at least kind of, you know, made an aggressive tackle um, on the on uh, Chase Claypool. Uh, Jair jumped the route, you know, very well done. Yeah. And at that point, like that's just Justin trying to make a play in a tight window, like where he knows he has to try something just to get a quick score. Uh, probably not his best throw, but like, it is what it is. And then, you know, Dean coming up with a block field goal, you know, credit to the guys that make the plays. But um, again, had it not been for those plays, had this been another game where Green Bay struggled to get those turnovers? Again, we're not, we're not, we're having a very, very different discussion after this game. No two ways about it. Uh, but that probably should bring us to the point where we talk about the greatest player to ever play in an NFL game, uh, Christian Watson. You look at the stats, Barry, and first, like, we're not going to poo poo on a four touch, 94 yard, two touchdown day, but it's not like four touches, 94 yards, two touchdowns is like the greatest stat line we've ever seen in the world. But my goodness, the impact that he continues to have on the game, not included in that stat line, is a huge pass interference call that he picks up. Um, the three, I-, I tweeted this out as well the three touchdown drives in this game for the Packers. The first one, he has the 14-yard touchdown reception. The second one that ended in the A.J. Dillon touchdown run on that drive, he had a 15-yard reception on like third and eight to keep the drive going. And then he drew the 38-yard pass interference on that drive. And then on the last touchdown drive, he had a 19-yard reception, I think, on the first uh, play of that drive. And then, of course, the 46-yard rushing touchdown where he had the ability to show off his speed again. Three touchdown drives all huge huge impacts from Christian Watson
3: yeah he is he's transformed this offense because not only is he a big play threat he's been I mean phenomenal even before he came on in the passing game as a blocker and now that defenses are really starting to respect him because they have to because he's been stacking these successes now four weeks in a row you know It allows the Packers to, and we've been using this word all season, they haven't been able to do it, but like dictate what they want to do on offense because they know that Christian Watson is going to take some attention away. I thought it was a little unfortunate that even with the attention that he's getting by defenders and with the Bears kind of not having their starting four in the secondary, that some of the other receivers weren't getting open as much. I know Lazard had a really nice game. Like he was kind of Mr. Clutch in this game, but Christian Watson's really become kind of Roger's go-to guy. And you heard him say it earlier, you know, this guy's always open and he is, even when he's being defended really well. Um, Plus his speed, like we haven't had anyone, you know, we had MVS, but MVS's hands were a little, a lot more inconsistent than Christian Watson's are. And so his speed just, completely changes this offense. They were having such a hard time getting vertical for like the entire season until he was able to change that for them. So I'm just really, really excited about what he brings. And if this is only the beginning, I mean, you have to imagine that there's still a level of development there. He's only going to get better. That should be really exciting.
2: Uh, I've said this on a couple other podcasts as well, but like this is the exact player with the exact skill set that this offense needed. Like they desperately needed somebody that you can give the ball to at any moment and he can take it to the house. You can hand it to him on an end around and he can take it 45, 46 yards for a touchdown uh, with the game on the line, but, and you're not going to catch him like just to have that ability. And then, you know, by the way, on the, the AJ Dylan run for the touchdown, who's running the jet motion to the opposite side of the field, drawing attention yep. to that side of the field. It's Christian Watson. And I've mentioned it, I haven't, I haven't seen the All-22 in this game yet, so I don't know on some of those Lazard plays over the middle if Watson's the one down the field dragging two defenders, but this offense has desperately needed somebody to just be a ball of gravity that just draws attention away from everything else because Lazard, Cobb, Tunyon, you know, Jones, Dylan, those guys can be good underneath, but they have to have space to operate. And there was nobody generating that space to operate, and I'm so excited for when Romeo Dobbs comes back. Cause now if he has some of that space to operate in, now you have the opportunity to really cook because he has that playmaking ability as well. So, but th- this player to have that ability to just run a nine route, take two guys with you and open things underneath that you can just hand on a reverse and he can take it. He's mossing guys in the back of the end zone over the last eight weeks. You just throw it, throw up the ball to him. Like he's winning on nine routes down the field where if you're not having two guys go with him, if you're not keeping a safety over the top of him, he can complete that pass and take it the distance. He has shown everything that you want out of a playmaker in just these last four games, eight touchdowns and what nine now on the season, including the other uh, around earlier in the year. Like it is so fun to watch and you keep kind of expecting like, all right. He had a touchdown. He had three touchdowns. He had a couple touchdowns. Like you're not, he's not going to be able to keep continue. We're at four weeks in a row now, Perry, where he is making a massive, massive, massive impact on the game. And it's just so incredibly easy to be so excited about it.
3: Yeah. And you and I have said on this show, right? The Packers team has kind of lacked playmakers in, we have Aaron Jones, obviously Aaron Rodgers has always been that, but you add in a Christian Watson and hopefully, like you said, a Romeo Dobbs who can make these plays and it, completely like changes the way that this offense can operate and I think the one thing for me about Christian Watson was so far this season they've kind of started to like stack what they're asking him to do right so for a while he was just the motion guy trying to get him involved there like you said his first touchdown was I think on a jet sweep and then you know he starts to only get it get targeted by Rodgers on these kind of like deep routes and you're like is he just a deep threat because he's fast and now all of a sudden you're seeing him be targeted on key third downs on fourth downs on attacking the middle of the field like being able to do things at all three levels which is what's going to make him just like so impactful and shows I think like a lot of the criticism of him was he was at NDSU and it was really run first and does he actually have a route tree etc cetera, etc cetera. and that like now you're seeing like just because he wasn't asked to do those things yet doesn't mean he's not going to be successful once he is being asked to do, do them. And he's showing us that he can now.
2: Yeah. And it's so exciting. It, it kind of goes back to like AJ Dillon catching the ball in the backfield. Right. because yes. He didn't do it at college. Doesn't mean he can't do it in the NFL. Um, same thing with Watson, just because he didn't get asked to do some of those things doesn't mean he can't become the playmaker that, you know, Green Bay desperately needed him to be in the NFL. It is it is beyond exciting to see what he is doing right now. And I like, I'm just, I keep being excited. Like now, every time the Packers are off like there was a stretch this, this year, pair, you know, very well where like this offense was just like stuck in mud. And you're just like, man, oh even if they, even if they did something well, even if they scored a touchdown, it was like, 16 plays 80 yards like you know four yards per play no explosives it was just a grind and you're just like by the time they scored the touchdown you were half asleep on the drive like just to have somebody again that has that playmaking ability and that you know at any moment can just take the distance it just it makes it so much more exciting as a fan he has been the biggest breath of fresh air. I think that this offense needed that Rogers needed that LaFleur needed that this fan base needed just all of it together. And like I said, I couldn't be more excited about it.
3: Yeah. And like the problem with this offense too, was once they got down, it felt so insurmountable to be, to come back because there yeah. was no one that could score so quickly. And now all of a sudden you're seeing like the Cowboys game is a perfect example. They were down two scores against a very good defense but you get Christian Watson on a 63 yard touchdown. And like all of a sudden you're right back in this without having taken too much time off the clock. And don't get me wrong. I think having the skill that this Packers offense does to be able to drain the clock on a touchdown run is super important. We saw it in this game against the bears without like they scored, the bears didn't have nearly enough time to get back in it. And in the end, that's why the Packers ended up winning because they handled the time of possession, but all the good offenses that you think about the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, all of them, you know that they threaten it to be able to score a touchdown in two plays. And Christian Watson's the guy right now who can do that for the Packers.
2: Very well said. I, I think let's stick on the offense for a moment because I think over the last four weeks, and we should point out this offense was far from perfect on this day, but there were still exciting aspects that we got to, to see and discuss in some of the flashes. I think the the big resurgence is resurgence on offense over this last month or so has been in large part due to Christian Watson, but I also think the offensive line has played a big part in this as well. And I was very curious to see how this offensive line was going to do without David Bakhtiari, because he's been such a huge part in that. I did the rewatch, I, you had actually mentioned to me prior to the show of like being so excited to talk Christian Watson and Zach Tom. I, in my first initial watch through, I didn't really see Zach Tom, which is usually a good sign, uh, but I didn't really notice him at all. Because you had said that, I paid extra close attention to him on the rewatch. Man, I, I'm, I want to see the all 22. You never quite know until you see that, but it looked like he had a really, really good game. And this offensive line, uh, you know, blocking for AJ Dillon, blocking for Jones when he was in there. And then, you know, I I thought Jones or uh, Rogers had a a pocket more often than not allowing some of those plays to Watson to happen. Really excited about Zach Tom in this game and really just the offensive line having another pretty solid game overall. Yeah. I mean, when you hear David Bakhtiari
3: not being able to be in last minute, you are obviously concerned and then you go into this game and exactly right. you don't really hear anything about Zach Tom. He, I would love to see the stats on pressures, but Rogers wasn't touched. He wasn't sacked once, although he, he had his scrambles. So he, you know, he does that for himself, but it's not like they also were only running to the right side or like up through the centers. Like they attack the left side, of the field just as much and that's like a lot of credit I think to Zach Tom and how much confidence they must have and what he's able to do and you're right Rogers had a really nice pocket he had plenty of time on multiple plays to get the ball out where he wanted to so um, I just think a lot of credit for a rookie who probably this whole week did not think he was playing and got thrown in in one of the hardest positions in the NFL and um, like we've said so many times I think you know, the rest of the season's like, let's just see what they have in these young guys. And this was such a perfect opportunity for Zach Tom.
2: It really was. And uh, there was one uh, combo block that he had with Mercedes Lewis. They may have been on the Dylan touchdown run. Uh, I forget off the top of my head, but there was a combo block that he had with Mercedes Lewis. They double the first guy, Zach Tom gets to the second level, gets the second guy and just creates a space for AJ Dylan. Listen, Tom can get overwhelmed with, um, with power at times. He needs to add some functional strength But the stuff that you see him do as an offensive lineman from an IQ standpoint, his combo blocks, his footwork, his agility, his ability, like his IQ picking up twists and stunts and identifying blitzes. He has some really rare stuff. And of course we know he's an insane athlete as well. It's just, if he can get a little bit more functional strength, but like maybe, maybe he, if if like, we'll see what happens with Bakhtiari of course. And that journey is going to be a really interesting one in the off season. But if he's just a left tackle, you you have less like bull rush, um, you know, whereas in guard and center, you know, you've got big 300 pound defensive tackles just trying to push you into the backfield at all times. Left tackle, you're dealing a little bit more with speed guys, guys that are more 250. You might be able to handle that a little bit better. I think we saw that against the Bears today. Uh, just very intrigued with his upside. I know Ryan Gudekinst has deservedly caught some flack for some of his previous draft classes and you don't get an award for, uh, you know, the first year of some of these guys and some of the potential that they've shown, but man, the, the Zach Toms, the Christian Watsons, the Romeo Dobbs, the JJ and Igbares, Koi Walkers had some ups and downs. Devontae Wyatt actually had a couple of nice plays in this game as well. Uh, there's a long way to go, but this, this draft class really has some potential. Hello friends, by now you've heard me talk about the new brand of water that looks like tall boys of beer, Liquid Death. This crisp, refreshing mountain spring water from the Alps that comes in still, sparkling, and three unique flavors is by far and away the best brand of water on the market. One of my favorite aspects of Liquid Death is that most water companies use plastic bottles, which is beyond terrible for the environment. Most of the plastic you throw into a recycling bin actually just gets sent to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. But aluminum is infinitely recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. Hence why Liquid Death uses aluminum cans. Most importantly, the water tastes great. I can't get enough of the lime sparkling water and my family has been drinking them nonstop. It's always fun seeing our sons get crazy looks as they are downing tall boys out in public as well. If you haven't tried Liquid Death yet, what are you waiting for? You can get Liquid Death at your local Target, Walmart, or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you using their store locator at liquiddeath.com packaday. That's liquiddeath.com packaday.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. you need indeed
3: it does it's very exciting i think goot really needed a draft like that because the last couple of seasons have been like maybe one or two players that have come on but he's made some questionable picks especially with watch it watching them kind of get rid of two previous third round picks very quickly into their rookie contracts so it's exciting and this team is going into a transition right not to take away from from this game but just to last comment on the draft is in a transition time, you need to be hitting on these guys in order to develop them for the next phase of this team. So it's good to see, but you're right. Long way to go.
2: Very much. So I want to quickly talk on the running backs, Aaron Jones, clearly battling through some things in this game. We even saw some Patrick Taylor, uh, I think because of some of the injuries that Jones sustained, you could tell he was just kind of grinding it out and trying to do everything he could to get in there and help the team. But AJ Dillon, We've kind of seen a, a new A.J. Dillon over these last couple games. It does feel like, and I, have, I don't have the statistics to back it up, but it does seem like once end of November, beginning of December, starts hitting, uh, A.J. Dillon starts hitting a little bit different, and uh, he becomes a little bit more of a, a beast to try to tackle in cold weather, and we start seeing a little bit you know, more business decisions at times. I just really like how he's been running these past couple weeks. I thought the beginning of the season, September, October, early November, Uh, was a a tough stretch for Dylan, probably the toughest of his career so far. And, uh, you know, but these last couple games has shown, you know, exactly what A.J. Dillon can do. I also do think he's a little bit more of one of those momentum backs, right, where, like, he almost needs to touch the ball 18, 20 times per game to really see what he's capable of, of of wearing down a defense. And when you've got an Aaron Jones, he's just not going to have that opportunity. Today he got more of that opportunity in cold weather, against a fairly bad Bears defensive front, but we, we got a glimpse of what A.J. Dillon can do again.
3: That's exactly what I always say about A.J. Dillon whenever there's criticism about him. He's a rhythm back, and he said it himself too when, when asked about it. He's just not the guy that... And look, the rotation for the Packers, I think is what made today so successful, right? You're there. You're splitting carries. Unfortunately, Jones gets hurt. You have AJ Dylan who hasn't been used as much as he would if he was just the back somewhere else. So he's fresh and he can come in and you can see what he can do, but he is a guy that needs like multiple touches throughout a game to kind of get it going. He's almost like a, like when you're like accelerating a car, getting onto the highway, like you're not going 60 at first, like you got to get there. I don't know if that analogy makes yeah. any sense, but like, that's the kind of back that he is. And I like to see him back to what we saw the last couple of seasons with him, because we always felt that it was more of a one, a one B punch, not a one, two punch. But so far this season, it really has been a one, two because Aaron Jones is just an incredible, spectacular player. Um, But hopefully Dylan can kind of sub in when Jones is hurt. Hopefully it's not too bad and then now that it's kind of the Dylan season, we can really see the two of them like work together.
2: Yeah, we got a good glimpse of that today and even last week, you know, what 8 for 64 I think against the Eagles for Dylan plus a couple of receptions out of the backfield as well. Back to back weeks with 20 plus yard touchdown runs. That's the AJ Dylan we know, we love. Uh, the mayor of Door County and the Quadzilla, the Quadfather, every other nickname. Uh, It's just been really fun to see him get back to what we expect. And um, that's been another positive to take away from this game. Um, He had over a hundred yards today
3: between rushing and receiving. So really nice day from him. I think quietly over a hundred. I was surprised by that.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. What were your thoughts on uh, Rogers in this game?
3: He was fine. You know, he, he did what he needed to do. Um, nothing spec I think we're so used to Rogers and his like spectacular like he didn't even hit 200 yards today but he didn't need to because the ground game was working um glad to see he's getting healthier but yeah no nothing like overly spectacular
2: no I give him credit for with the rib and the thumb uh for going out there and doing what he could to compete not an easy situation you've got a, a very windy stadium from what it seemed like and some of the kicks just like swirling around uh you know, a couple of weird throws here and there, the one to Cobb where he just completely missed thought Cobb was going to go down the sideline, but he was clearly just standing still. And like Rogers just threw it, you know, 10 yards past him. Like this, a couple of things like that, a couple of missed throws down the field that I think you would like to have back. But like you said, he kind of did enough to win. It wasn't like a, a bad performance. It wasn't a good performance. It was just kind of a performance. And again, when you've got a guy with, you know, bad ribs and a bad thumb, you know, I kind of get it and I don't, I don't hate anything from it. Um, I don't really want to spend a ton of time on this, but I was thinking about this today and I don't know that it's gotten any publicity yet. And maybe you can just tell me I'm an idiot. If, if the season ended today, or like if Rogers, if this was the last game of Rogers was clearly not going to be, but if, if this was it, was this Aaron Rodgers' worst season of his career?
3: I think statistically it is since his rookie season. Yeah.
2: I mean, but just in general, like not even statistically, but if you just had to say worst season of Rogers career, would you say this one? I mean, besides the the ones that he didn't play, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You know,
3: um, I think probably just he he's lost a certain bit of that, like, magic fairy dust. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like, he's 39, and he's still an above average, probably still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So he's working with some new receivers. He's working with some guys who you know, probably are done. And that's part of it. He's had a broken thumb. But yeah, I mean, this was not by any means like a spectacular season from him. Is it an anomaly? Or is it what we're going to see potentially from him next season? If he decides to come back? I don't know yet. Um, But it's a little unfortunate to see that the dip. I mean, I've been saying it all season that like, he hasn't been playing well, and like he hasn't. Like, I don't think he has he even had a 300 passing yard game this season yet. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's not what we're used to for Aaron Rodgers.
2: No, I, I did that beside like of some of the superpowers that he's lost, you know, just his cadence doesn't work the same way that it used to. It's not getting people to jump off sides. His arm is clearly a little bit different. His accuracy is a little bit different. He can't get out of the pocket the same way. Just some of the superpowers we've come to know and love from Aaron aren't just quite the same anymore. Um, I do think the injuries have played a part. I don't know if it's a significant part, which it very well may be. Maybe it isn't at all, but I do think it's definitely played a part. I think the transition year moving from Devontae and having some rookie wide receivers have to take their lumps kind of early in the season. We see now how much they probably lost by not having Christian in the um, game in some of those early situations and missing some of camp and those things. So um, I think there was a lot of things that were playing a part. The early offensive line for this team, pre bakhtiari coming back, pre-Jenkins coming back was really, really bad. I think it was a lot of everything, but It's going to be interesting at the end of the year to see where he compares statistically. And it does go back to the old Aaron Rodgers adage of his bad seasons are better than almost every other quarterbacks good season. So it like is still one of those things, but definitely could end up being the worst season of his career, both statistically and just in general. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on two defenders really quick. A kind of up and down game from Jair Alexander as the huge pick, but also the two deep completions allowed to EQ and Nikhil Harry. And then Kenny Clark, we actually saw a few plays from what I would label as the worst five-game stretch of Kenny Clark's career Um, prior to this. uh, We saw him make some really big plays, uh, certainly in the run game early in this one. Kind of faded off as the game went along at at first glance. I'll be interested to watch him on all 22 as well, but thoughts on Alexander and Clark on this one?
3: I don't think – look, the pick – kind of sealed the game for sure but it doesn't totally negate the two huge plays that Jair gave up like his thing is being a top coverage corner right we've talked about this on the show too he is not the big splash play but gonna give up something you know Stefan Diggs or not Stefan sorry um Trayvon Diggs Stefan's brother, right? Um, like he's not a Trevon Diggs kind of coverage where you're like, okay, yeah, he might do that, but he's gonna get like 11 picks on the season, and somewhere it like evens out. Like Jair's thing is coverage, and you're getting beat by two like very mid wide receivers, probably mid at best. So it's just kind of disappointing, and I think the attitude along with it is just like, bro, you got beat for like 130 yards in this game on two plays, maybe tone it down and I think we'd be having a really different conversation about him if he hadn't had that interception it definitely is band-aided um but yeah just disappointing for him you know to get paid and then be playing like this now again I think there's questions around is it what Barry is asking them to do and being put in certain positions versus Jair just maybe losing a step like my hope is the former because you don't want to have just paid someone thinking that he is like one of the top corners in the NFL and he has been playing like that for the past couple of seasons and it not be the case um but not very disappointed and he's I mean I'm like the biggest Jair Alexander fan there is
2: yeah no it it's been a really interesting year for him when I went back and watched this game I watched him a little bit closer This is sort of like a a yeah, but sort of thing, but like the, the two big completions that he allowed were obviously really bad plays. He gambled on both plays, got beat on both plays by two very unspectacular wide receivers. And when you're a top guy at corner, those things can't happen. I did think going back and watching the rest of the game that he had a bigger impact on the game overall in a positive way than I thought. I thought he was a little bit more aggressive. He had that play on like the little screen on the outside. He had another play where he was involved in an incompletion, um, I thought he played a little bit more physical in this game, which is not saying much because he's been very much lacking uh, physicality at, at different times in the season and not getting involved in the run quite as much. But I did think he came up and made some plays. And then he did have the, you know, kind of the game winning interception in a way as well. So I didn't think it was as bad as I thought when I watched it live but there's still the caveat that he allowed two massive completions in a game to two underachieving wide receivers. And that's still not what you expect from your top cover guy. So definitely up and down from him. Happy to see a couple of plays from Kenny Clark, but um, Kribe needs those two players specifically to be all pros, like not just yeah. good players, not great. Like they need to be all pro caliber players. They haven't been. Uh, we saw some signs from both with the Jire pick with the Kenny Clark making some splash plays in the backfield, but uh, they need those guys to be more consistent and more playmaking uh, than what they have been over the course of the season so far.
3: Yeah. The thing with Kenny is that I I'm, would love to have seen the way this defense would be playing with Rashawn still healthy. because yep. I think it's been a huge night and day flip since he tore his ACL. Because now Preston, Kenny, everyone along that line has to deal with so much more than if Rashawn is in the game. So it's nice to see Kenny back in there. And again, I don't know if there's like a direct correlation here, but it feels relevant that he hasn't been on as much pretty much since Rashawn got hurt. And I just feel that way in general about this front. Don't get me wrong. I know Justin Fields has legs, but he doesn't have the best offensive line and they didn't have a single sack this game. Like they just really can't get pressure. Even when they blitz, they can't get home. And it's just a completely different, it's just so evident to me how much they miss Rashawn Gary.
2: No question about it. It's a total game changer. He is the impact guy in this defense and not having him affects everyone else. So uh, when that injury happened, it was just like, for how bad the season was going, that was like the low, because when Rashawn goes out, you basically know, like even if this team makes a crazy run, and wins, their, wins out the remainder of the season and gets in the playoffs, you just can't win without him, like consistently. Like You can't go on a run in the playoffs without that guy. They can't get pressure without him. Like It, just, it was the ultimate kick in the gut because even if Rodgers or somebody like this team pulls out something magical and makes a run like that, it just all becomes almost much ado about nothing just because he's so freaking important to this defense and this team as a whole, and they just don't have any – as good as Enigbari's been for a fifth-round pick, just they don't have anyone close to replacing him. I wanted to get some quick hitters out there and just get your thoughts. Per next gen stats, Packers played zone coverage on 100% of pass plays in week 13, becoming just the second defense to do so in a game this season. Uh, they said the strategy to keep eyes on Justin Field was effective. Fields had a season low seven yards on two scramble runs. Clearly, he had a lot of yards on designed quarterback runs, but uh, when playing the pass and when not allowing him to scramble, they did hold him a little bit better. Thoughts on Joe Barry's scheme in this game?
3: No, just no. I don't care about his scramble runs. You still gave up. He had 71 yards on the ground. And the whole thing about I almost tweeted this out and I there, I had too many characters. So I was like, I'm just gonna wait for Packaday to <laughs> this. But like the whole point of Joe Barry's zone, whatever, is to prevent the big play. Like give up the little bit on the underneath, maybe allow. You know, obviously always allow some rushing yards, but like you, you mitigate the big play and they didn't do that in this game even, right? They still gave up two huge three, if you include the Justin Fields run, three huge explosive plays. So at this point, like none of it is working. The whole plan isn't working. And you really only were able to win this game because the bears are bad. Like if this is, we saw it with the Eagles right like they're going to win when you allow this to happen because you're not stopping the run you're not stopping those like mid-range throws and you're not stopping the explosive plays like what are you doing so and they still cannot get off the field on third down they do great things on first and second down and then it doesn't matter because they give up a third and 10 and I just I'm so so sick of the zone
2: coverage how do you really feel about it that was very well said. I I'm not, I don't have anything to add to it. That was perfect. Uh, thoughts on going for two at the end of the game?
3: Brilliant. I thought it was gutsy by Matt LaFleur. I thought it was a great call. Um, obviously, we feel that way because it worked. Uh, <laughs> it'd be different if it hadn't. But at the same time, like you go for it. You go for the dagger. So, I, Like I said earlier, I think this was a really nice kind of redemption game from Matt LaFleur on some of his decisions. And that was top of mind when I said that.
2: This is a a Madden strategy one-on-one. This is a very popular strategy uh, in in Madden and Madden online. Um, I love this call every single time. Here's the reason why. You get the two, game over, right? Like Almost entirely game over. They'd have to go down, score, get a quick score, get an onside kick, get another score. Like The odds of that happening, insanely slim. So you get the two-point, game over. If they don't get it, the Bears probably, as Matt LaFleur mentioned, I, I think Bears go for two, to win the game, if they would actually go down and score a touchdown. So you basically have, in my opinion, three opportunities to win the game. You hit the two point conversion, you win the game. You miss the two point conversion, just stop them from scoring a touchdown. Even if they score a touchdown, stop them from scoring their two point conversion. You've literally, you've basically given yourself three outs at this point in the game and you just have to hit one of the three, whether it's your two point conversion, their touchdown drive, or their two point conversion just do one of the three and you come out of the game with the victory um whereas you kick the extra point Um, maybe you make it, maybe you miss it. Those extra points have not been anything that's been guaranteed for the Packers anyway, Uh, but you give them an opportunity to go down and score. And now you basically only have two opportunities to win the game, either, you know, barring overtime and then it gets complicated, but you may not even see the ball again in those situations. So I just think statistically, um, what it gives you more outs to win the game. I would take that opportunity. I don't care if you're playing the bears. I don't care if you're in the super bowl. I don't care if it's preseason. Give me that two point conversion every single time in that situation. Cool. And we're on the same page. I'm going to take that out of agreement. Uh, Last. I just want to go. Well, not last, but really quick. I just wanted to say uh, I've been extremely hard on Sammy Watkins. And I think understandably so. I think he's had a a poor season. I know he's been dealing with some injuries, two huge blocks in this game. AJ Dillon touchdown run. uh, That was 20 yards. Great block on that play. And then he also was the block that sprung Christian Watson on the reverse as well. Not a super difficult block on the Watson play. He's basically just sealing the guy off. Um, I think most receivers probably get that job done, but still uh, he didn't, he had very few snaps in this game and understandably so. Uh, but in a couple of those snaps, he had two huge blocks that sprung two huge touchdowns. And uh, when somebody does that in very limited playing time, as Matt LaFleur said in the postgame press conference in a season that has not not gone the way that Sammy Watkins expected, that went from starting basically starting receiver to seeing five you know, snaps a game, um, to, to block with that intensity in those handful of snaps when he gets the opportunity, I think is pretty impressive and, and is at least worth mentioning, if nothing less.
3: Yeah. It shows the kind of character and teammate that he is. So um, kudos to him. You know, I was thinking the same thing on the Christian Watson block. And I was also thinking like, he doesn't even have to block for as long as he would if it was any other receiver, because Christian Watson was the best. Um, he just has to like, give him like one second of, of time. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just like a team player mentality. And I think, again, it's it's easy to commend players for being like that when they're winning but it's a lot harder to be that kind of player when you're also losing and not getting playing time so he deserves the the shout out
2: and I, I didn't uh confirm this but I saw somebody tweet online that the rec- the corner chasing Christian Watson on that play was a 4-3 like 4 8 40 guy um yeah. <laughs> as well mm-hmm. and just Watson just obliterates them just crazy stupid fast and he
3: funny. got um i saw on next gen stats he hit 21.7 miles per hour on that touchdown Good like that, if you think about it, that is how that's like the speed limit in some places for cars
2: it's crazy it's absolutely crazy um he should go in like a school zone and just sprint <laughs> faster uh remaining schedule for the packers they've got a bye week they play the Rams at home on Monday night football. They go to the Dolphins on Christmas Day, Vikings at home, Lions at home. Crazy that they, you know, only four games left. And crazy that only one road game, three at home, one in Miami on Christmas Day, uh, two division games, a game against the Rams that I'm pretty sure they're probably gonna be favored again, you know, for in that game. The Rams have now lost six in a row. They're on backup quarterbacks, they are completely beat up. I would expect the Packers to be favorites. I would expect the Packers to be underdogs against the Dolphins and Vikings. And probably depending on what happens up until that point, probably some sort of pick them or maybe like a slight favorite against the Lions. Um, But your thoughts on the remaining schedule and rest of the season.
3: I actually think the Packers have some good chances the rest of the season. I know that might be a bit of a hot take, but the Rams are very beatable, especially from home. We heard today actually that Stafford has some kind of spinal contusion. He's definitely out for the rest of the season. So no matter what you're going against a backup, you know, we also know they don't have Cooper cup, like just a very, very winnable game. I thought Miami We're recording this on Sunday. So I thought Miami looked very human today against the 49ers and they were with their third string quarterback. Now granted, the Niners have the best defense in the league right now, but they're so good. They're, they're what I wish the Packers were. Um, but again, like when I think if the Packers do everything right, like the margin for error is obviously non-existent, but you know, that can be a game they're competitive in. The Vikings are the ones that I think might be, the most obvious L to me, they're just like riding a high right now. They're going to win the division. Like they're just ready for for the next level, but it is at Lambeau. So anything can happen. So I don't know. It would be nice to get, I think like two of the four of the remaining uh, games as wins.
2: Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think they win that Rams game, especially coming off a bye. And I think they probably pick up at least one of the remaining three. Maybe they get two, but um, either way it'll be, it's, it's a little bit more interesting coming off a, a bears win. And then, you know, coming off by facing a pretty bad Rams team. We'll see where things are at after that. And just as Matt LaFleur always says, take it a week at a time. For those of you keeping track at home, ESPN gives Green Bay a 4.8% chance to make the playoffs. The Athletic gives the Packers an 11.5% chance to make the playoffs. So um, certainly a lot better than what ESPN is giving them right now. uh, This is we're recording as the Colts are playing Uh, right now. They would have the 11th pick in the draft. If the Colts were somehow able to beat the Cowboys, that would move up to the 10th pick in the draft. If the season were to end today. So uh, Green Bay Perry will finish somewhere between top 10 pick and winning the Super Bowl. We're just going to have to tune into the remainder of the season to find out which one it is. Yeah,
3: yeah, we we will see. They're not mathematically eliminated yet, which means we will get Aaron Rodgers until they are. And hey, four point eight is not zero, so anything can happen in the NFL. Even any given Sunday.
2: Last thing, really quick, did you catch the first Aaron Rodgers? Uh, it has to be mutual at the end of this season in his press conference today. The very first one the <laughs> tradition, unlike any other, uh, our very first. It's got to be mutual. So, uh, you know. Take that wherever you will in the future. We don't have time for that today. But we'll go if you have a comment, go ahead.
3: No, it's just uh, it's just clockwork. Every off season is is clockwork. And to be honest with you, I'm fully expecting him back uh, in this off season. So
2: it, I think Matt Schleidman tweeted it out. I, I it did seem like I don't I don't even know if I want like <laughs> we're we have a whole off season to discuss all of that. It's going to be a, another crazy off But it it did kind of feel like yeah, I want to come back, but it's got to be mutual. It, that's what it kind of seemed like on the surface, but yeah. who knows? There I'm no taking
3: doubt. the words at face value, to be honest. And um, I also think it has to be, we don't have to get into that, but it has to be mutual right now because of like the salary and the cap hit and all those things. I can't imagine how it's not, but anyway, we'll end on that.
2: Oh, we could actually uh, go down quite the rabbit hole there, but final yeah. uh, thoughts Perry on uh, Packers bears and anything else you want to go over?
3: Um, just always nice to to get a win. I think in this season I don't take the wins for granted. Um, so feel it will feel good to have a victory Monday tomorrow. And um yeah, just excited about some of the young guys on this team. I think that's regardless of record and win loss and playoffs, whatever, you can kind of focus on them and still be very, very excited about what's happening with this
2: team it's always great to beat the bears, right? Like it's always, it always feels good to beat the bears there's no two ways about it. So I will take that victory every day of the week, every season. And like you said, not take them for granted, especially in the season when they've been so incredibly hard to come by. Perry, where can we follow you on Twitter and where can we find Pax, what she said?
3: Yeah, you can follow me at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can follow the other podcast at PWSS podcast on Twitter. Um, I record twice a week with the, incredible Maggie Loney, who is back now recording with me Um, very short maternity leave from the podcast. So you can catch our recaps. Um, Probably will be up on Tuesday morning. And then we will do something fun for the bye week since we won't be previewing a game. But check us out at PWSS podcast.
2: Make sure to check out Pax. which she said it's awesome. Every single week, Maggie and Perry do a tremendous job. Of course, you can find Maggie here on the Packaday podcast as well. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. That is going to do it for us today. But until next time, and as always, go pack go.
3: Go pack go.